Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of the F1 show for coverage of the 2010 and first ever, ooh, nice addition, Jim, Korean Grand Prix at, wow, Yeongam. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and uh, we've got some exciting coverage for you today. Oh, do we ever. We sure do. Uh, just everything that's gone on over the course of the weekend and new since last show and listener feedback and all the usual good stuff that you listen to the show for. So a news update since the last show. The first thing is uh, F1 is going to Korea. That was announced because they finally did their last track inspection <laughs> less than two weeks before the Grand Prix, and everything was okay. So we are going to race in Korea, which I guess you knew that. Uh, I have vegetables in my refrigerator older than the asphalt in Korea. Yes, which is probably not healthy, but it does <laughs> say something about it's, it's still good. Yeah, that's not that's not how it is. It's like Silverstone, you know. There's there's a lot more history and whatever, but yeah, the track uh, finally is put together. Um, it's, you know, actually the, the track itself held up okay over the weekend. It was one of the problems with the track. Drainage may be a concern, but uh, we'll talk more about that later on yeah, in the race. Yeah, there's, there's a couple things to say about that. But the, the city that's supposed to be built up inside the track, the, the plans for this place is unreal. Uh, that's not there. There's still a lot of mud. There's still a lot of construction. Yeah, there's there. definitely dirt. Still a fair bit of snakes, apparently. But but the, there was a racetrack. Yeah, the the racetrack held up, and uh, I've seen footage from I think it was the U.S. Grand Prix in Dallas where the you know the pavement, the asphalt was all coming up, and there were like ruts in the road, and and you know stuff they wouldn't allow these days for safety and everything. Or I'm sure they wouldn't probably even run on that with uh, with inspections. But um, you know there were some a lot of people are really concerned about all oh, the pavement's going to fall apart. There's going to be cracks and problems and whatever. Um, and there were some some issues, and we'll talk about that in. Uh, in the Friday practice and so on. But, uh, yeah, on the whole, the, the racetrack uh, did well and ended up being a pretty cool race. The other news I wanted to talk about as far as since the last show is, um, is Lotus announced that they are – or actually they haven't officially announced, but I think they're set to announce in Brazil that they're running – They announced that they're going to announce. Yeah, um, that they're going to run Renault Power, which we all sort of knew uh, when they talked about that they were going to do Red Bull gearboxes and hydraulics and so on. It right. sort of seemed like that's the Red Bull stuff sort of fits with the Renault stuff. So no but, huge surprise there. But that basically means – it's very close. It's Red Bull, Red Bull drivetrain. Kind of everything behind the driver is, is is like Red Bull. Right. So it's up to Michael Gascoigne to put some tricky bits on in terms of bodywork and aerodynamics and some maybe some clever suspension bits. But I mean, it's that's going to be a competitive car and some clever dude behind the wheel as well. And there's also talk that possibly Vitaly Petrov and sort of the you know Renault partnership uh, may make the jump uh, sort of down the scale to Lotus. Um, but uh, that. You know, may not be a bad place to be in the come next year. So we'll have to see about how that uh, unfolds in the rest of the season. Um, but let's talk about this race weekend. Whoa, whoa, not so fast, Jim. We still have culture of the race to talk about. And Korea is quite the culture. First of all, I happen to know firsthand that they make very beautiful ladies. Yes. And uh, second of all, um, some pretty darn tasty barbecue. Yes. Well, just to elaborate on that first point, we should say, you know, you're, there's not just that you're randomly like Korean women, but uh, you do like one particular uh, half Korean woman that uh, is your fiance. No, I, I think a more appropriate way to say is I, I just randomly like Korean women and coincidentally my fiance also, is it's half both. Korean. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. well, there you that's, go. That's how I would put it. Anyway, oh. uh, more to the point. Uh, teriyaki salmon yes. from a Korean was very good. We also had some fried dumplings and the famous kimchi along with several other side dishes. Well, I guess, yeah, banchan is the is the, the name of all the little side dishes and little cups of things, and there's like seven of them come out Jim, on the tray. Jim, don't make up words and blur the culture. That's not a good idea. So, And, and I had this, uh, this uh, spicy pork sizzling onion thing, and I tried to remember the Korean name of it, and I did not do yeah. that. And But, well, there's all sorts of things. They have the, 
the beans, the black beans that were like sweet. Yeah. They had the kimchi. They dried, had the dried squid. The dried squid was like beef jerky almost. It's like beef jerky with a fishy aftertaste. Kind of a chewy thing. And then a uh, potato salad. I'm like, that's not Korean. The kind of like <laughs> potato salad. But it, they used lots of egg and it was good. Yeah. And then the like really spicy uh, cabbage stuff, which that is uh, that is not a flavor for me. I'm sorry, like you know, I'm, I'm all about the, yeah the kimchi. Some, yeah. yeah, the kimchi. It just did not uh, did not really did not really do it for me. Kimchi kicks you in the um, buttocks quite a bit. At least it does me. Yes. So as ever, uh, we always like to see what we can do to get the taste of the race and try to get you know a little little bit into the uh, the culture and all that. And uh, you know, Korea it's an interesting place because it's this particular race, uh, the, the track is pretty far outside of Seoul, which is sort of the town everyone. Oh, the, a solid the two city hours. Yeah. Everyone knows, yeah. And it was kind of interesting watching uh, just uh, through Twitter updates and stuff over the course of the weekend, or even you know Tuesday and Wednesday as people started to arrive. Some people taking buses, some people doing. There's a high speed train apparently from Seoul, and but this place is like out there. And until they build. Um, the rest of the infrastructure you're talking about, it the rest of the sort of the the other parts of the attraction that will oh, be yeah. around one the, of the circuit. Big, one of the big scenes too was a big bridge to the track that isn't completed, <laughs> like a big stanchion in the middle of right. like a little bit of road and doesn't connect on either side. So there's a lot of work to do, and I think I think this could end up being a a pretty cool venue in the years to come, especially once there's more sort of surrounding the track and sort of more attractions, more things to do, more reasons to to be a part of that. But that is that is pretty cool, and I think it would be. Um, pretty neat to see something like that, especially in Austin, if it weren't just, hey, here's a track and come here in this track day some days. I mean, there's lots of racetracks around the U.S., um, but really, a, you know, a destination because where there can be driving schools there, there can be, um, you know, different kind of track events and, and you could, you know, maybe run different cars or do different rentals. There's can well, be the, a lot of cool things. The key is yeah, if you, you make it a place where everyone has something to do, even yeah. maybe parts of the family that aren't as interested in racing per se, you know, that kind of thing. The one thing that struck me about Korea was that it was extremely similar to Valencia in the sense that it was right by the sea. Mm -hmm. But in every other <laughs> aspect, it was totally and completely different because it was it was an old farm. It was farmland. There was nothing around the track, and it was swampy farmland. Yeah. And uh, so it was really kind of a – it almost looked like the, the world around uh, the track had disappeared. It was like, it was like a road warrior, Mad Max – around the track and the yeah. track was the only civilization it's like, it's left like a racetrack just fell out of the sky and yeah, just happened exactly. to land right there and it's like oh here's a racetrack well i actually the valencia comparison is interesting because um it, it's i think similar in a couple other ways it's so herman tilka was a consultant on both of these um but neither one of those was actually carried out by his firm like tilka partners or whatever okay his, okay. his firm is now that's i thought korea was his firm but okay um so and i think the 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 point there is that um, you know some of the issues that we saw with with drainage and so on um, may be down to the fact that it wasn't sort of his baby start to finish, um, but also I think it sort of has lots of fiddly, possibly unnecessary turns. You know, another one of these like twenty turn racetracks. Yeah, I guess with yeah. six seventeen. Or That's a really here. good point, actually. Um, it does seem like more than necessary. Like when you think of the really great races and some of the you know if Silverstone or Spa or Monza. I mean, Monza has like three corners. Yeah, you know, and you think about what makes good racing and what's exciting to watch and then there's monaco at the other side of it which is kind of ridiculous in its own way but um it just you know you look at this track and it's like there there are a few defining corners or, or you know any any defining really good corners there's a couple of issues we'll talk about in a minute but yeah um you know there's a very little sort of classic uh elements to it and it's uh a little well, bit but that's i mean that's exactly it jim right because what all the modern tracks do and this is true of the austin track as well is we take the best corners from the best racetracks and you know, put them in this track. It's like, no, invent new great corners. Don't 
don't you know don't try to take, make an Aruge right somewhere. exactly yeah. exactly and that's I think that's the key is you know these days the tracks try to copy other tracks as opposed to let's making something cool on our own yeah and of course it's nowhere near that simple and you and Herman Tilke I'm sure understands that you know it's not like you can just sort of copy and paste a corner from one place to another that, that, that you know it all has to do with the the sequence of corners and elevation and and just you know what kind of speeds you'll have in different directions and how it's all going to look and what the sight lines are there's so much to it um, but. You know, all these times we've seen, oh, we're going to take some classic corners. You know, we've never really seen a classic corner work and be like, oh, that's just like our rouge. You right, know, like exactly. it just doesn't, it just doesn't, doesn't really happen. happen. And, and I think part of the problem there is safety, right? I mean, a lot of these classic corners, classic tracks are grandfathered in, but really not the safest place in the world. Yeah. And I think that's probably part of it as well. So, oh, well, I mean, it's it's a interesting event. Um, cool to see Korea get a piece of the action. It's definitely... It's definitely one of the big Asian countries, one of the big Asian cultures, and it, to see it recognized with an F1 track is very cool. And I think uh, one last stat as far as sort of what we're talking about the circuit and uh, the culture, so to speak, of the race, I think this is the third uh, new track that the F1 show has covered. Uh, we've actually been on the air for quite a while now and uh, on the net, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so we saw the first, obviously, the first Korean Grand Prix, the first Singapore Grand Prix. First uh, Valencia Grand Prix. Oh, that's four then. Yeah. Um, because Valencia was 08. Um, what was the other one? Uh, shoot, you're messing me up now. <laughs> Abu Dhabi, but yeah, I, Abu Dhabi. I, that was. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Not Bahrain. No, Bahrain was there before. But uh, yeah, Abu Dhabi. So that's that's. This is the fourth um, where the F1 show was here, and you know, doing our coverage of the first ever of some particular Grand Prix. So that's kind of exciting. We're old, I guess. <laughs> So Friday practice at a brand new venue means the first laps people have actually turned on a track, um, and for it's interesting for a variety of reasons. I mean, one you know people have simulators. All the teams have these simulators. We saw this great video from Red Bull that really walks through the whole lap, and they know or they don't know. They have a really good idea uh, what the grip levels are going to be, what the you know what gearing they're going to need, how what kind of downforce they're going to see, and all that. It's quite sophisticated, but it, they still you know there's. You know, they're still the real thing. And so it was pretty wild to see some of these cars out on track. Um, I think it was like Algeshwari may have set the first lap or something. Um, but, uh, you know, just really, really low grip. A circuit that the asphalt was laid down like six hours before they were doing Well, that's this. just it. It's it's a new track on a brand new surface. You yep. know, it, it, it's a lot going on. And there's a lot, a uh, lot of evolution of the track just from grip levels and then they change little things so the track changes quite a bit just in the course of one weekend yeah so uh so on friday the big concern was turn 16 where there was right at the apex of the corner um just there was this big dip in the road it was almost like a like a gutter cut you know cut out of the apex of the corner and there was uh, some slow-mos and still shots of cars going through there just then just totally you know kind of squirreling up the suspension um just from the it's just not how apexes normally are um there were, and there was also some concerns about sight lines especially the uh, the same the same spot on the track right near, right the, at the end of the lap um to get to pit in um you're sort of you know if you were coming around the, the corner at speed and someone else was going slowly to get in the pit lane um there was sort of a potential bad situation where you'd, you'd come up on a car that you didn't realize was uh, was going into the pits and um at a very different you know very di- big difference in speed uh that luckily didn't turn out to be a problem but it was kind of an awkward pit in i think that was another um it's another feature of, of like uh, sort of 
you know, Abu Dhabi is the same way with sort of a just kind of awkward pit entrance, you know, really awkward yeah, pit exit yeah. with this kind of down and around bridge. Oh, yeah. And I think that maybe some of the, the Tilka, you know, he puts a stamp on it and then kind of walks away. He's like, this is what the track will look like. And then they're like, well, we got to put a pit lane somewhere. And these right. people have to get to the pit lane. Right. And it just seemed kind of awkward. And also this track doesn't have the the white line on the exit of the pit where you sort of have to stay within that no, area. No, that blew my mind. It just kind of it, – it's basically just angles off right into the and it's, in the middle of the corner. It seems like you could turn – you could exit into the pits right into someone tracking out. Yeah. Um, so those kind of things were a little bit awkward there. But so ter- so. But speaking of Friday, um, after Friday practices, um, they actually, you know, the track technicians or whatever had to work overnight to reprofile turn 16. They had to sort of fill in asphalt there, change the curbs around, try wow. to make that uh, try to make that work better. And there, I saw some photos. People were snapping pretty late at night of these guys uh, trying to, you know, fill in that corner to, to make it less of a dramatic drop off in the in the middle there. So. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. I guess for a, for a brand new weekend for a track that was only days old at that point, um, it was uh, it was kind of down to the wire. But it was, it was pretty interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, otherwise, pfft. otherwise, yeah, it was it was Friday practice. <laughs> I mean, the, the McLarens look good. You know, they they seem to be doing pretty well. But uh, yeah, nothing nothing terribly dramatic. With the timing of the Grand Prix and race and everything. Uh, Grand Prix and practice and qualifying and everything from Korea. Uh, qualifying comes on about one o'clock in the morning Eastern time where we are in Detroit. And uh, I didn't mean to stay up to watch it, but I was watching practice and then it was near one o'clock and I ended up watching qualifying. Um, yeah, so, I didn't. But uh, yeah, so watching it live. Uh, so those of us, that, those of you that follow us on Twitter, uh, we saw a couple of my updates and so on. And um, I actually had a, a semi-accurate ob- observations and so on. That was that was kind of exciting and um, and and rare. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it, you know, we'll talk about feedback a little bit later in the show, but, uh, yeah, if, uh, if you're not following us online, twitter.com slash the F one show, um, we don't do it often, but, uh, certainly for races where the timing makes sense, where yeah. we can watch it. We wish we could do it often. We wish we could do it just... often. We're not quite dedicated enough to do the like 5am get up and, and do that kind of thing. Well, but I, I we'll something st- we'll tells st- me if we got paid the same amount of money that Bob Varsha, Dave Hobbs and Steve Matchett does, we would get our asses oh, up. Oh, I would. Yeah, absolutely. I would wake up. If I didn't have like a day job and Monday morning and all that, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and Brazil is pretty close to our time zone, so that we'll have some, some live stuff for that. But uh, yeah, anyway, so, but, but the qualifying, as it turned out, um, I mean, the clearance showed a lot of good pace early on. Uh, and, but the usual bottom seven, um, rather, the bottom six of the new teams, plus yes. Tony Luzzi was out in the, in the first round, um, went on to Q2, and uh, the, um, Mercedes had had pretty good runs both into the top tens. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. Having some stuff. Um, Petrov not having a good qualifying day, ending up fifteenth. Uh, right, right. He was just ahead both the STRs of Jaime Algarshwari and Sebastian Buemi, and then also the BMW Saubers. They were having they were showing some flashes of brilliance mid season, but now they're starting to fall back a little bit again. Kamui Kobayashi was twelfth. Nick Heidfeld thirteenth. Nick Heidfeld not able to keep up with Kobayashi, but it is quite close. Um, their qualifying times uh, were less than a hundredth of a uh, tenth of a second apart this time around. So Heidfeld is proving to be quicker than Pedro uh, Delarosa was. Yeah, and real quick too, um, this is uh, Sakan Yamamoto did outqualify Bruno Senna for the first time, so that's. Uh exciting for him yeah but didn't i mean bruno i thought he goofed i, th- I thought that yeah, was part he, of it he screwed up on i think the timing of his last lap had on what was right. going to be his fast and lap he didn't even thing. get it so i mean it was kind yeah. of a technicality but technically but hey you're right that's, that's, technicalities that's, count that's what matters but at the sharp end of the grid sebastian vettel the red bulls man freaking incredible yeah so uh yeah vettel got down to, to a 135.5 um and and was over a tenth faster than or actually just just under a tenth faster than uh mark weber on the track Despite Weber being behind Vettel, 
you know, Weber had the advantage of being able to respond to Vettel's times because he was three corners behind, mm-hmm. uh, five or six seconds behind him on the track, and uh, he just couldn't quite do it. He was about a tenth of a second off. I think Vettel put in a storming quick third sector. Yeah. Because I think, I remember him watching qualifying, I think Weber was ahead at the end of the second sector. Hmm. And uh, Fernando Alonso, not far off those times either, though, in the Ferrari. So he came third uh, with a 135.76. I mean, it was just, you know, right there for the top three. And a little bit of a gap back to Lewis Hamilton in fourth. And then uh, Nico Rosberg in, in the Mercedes, actually, in fifth. So good job for getting the Mercedes up that high. That's above Massa, Button, Kubica, and Schumacher. And uh, Rubens, who made it into Q3, ended up 10th. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it, you know, ended up actually being a pretty straightforward run for qualifying. And yet another Red Bull 1-2 for quali. Yes. Okay, guys, once again, no race report. I, I sincerely apologize, but Jim and I have been incredibly... It's been remarkably hard just to find time where we can both be together to put the show together. And the race report's one of the more time-consuming things because uh, you actually have to write words, and that's hard. And so we didn't quite get to it. However, uh, I do believe most of you guys saw the race, and it was quite a race, but uh, first 20 laps were pretty darn bland. Yeah, well... First of all, it took like three hours. Um, and, yes. and can I say, I'm glad I did not stay up to watch the race. Oh, because can that you imagine? started at 2 a.m. Oh, can you imagine? And so uh, I do genuinely feel bad for Hobbs Varsa Matchett because, you know, their day started at 1 in the morning, Sunday morning, right? Went live on television one thirty in the morning. Can you imagine the pots of coffee they had to go through? Yeah. Because they weren't done until after, what, 3? I'm sorry, four thirty five o'clock. Yeah. Uh, so... The they actually, but I think they did start the race on time on behind the safety car. Went what four laps? Yeah, red flag uh, on the fourth lap, and, and then, then they were down for forty minutes or something. Yeah, and then and sort of said so race control said, "Oh, we're going to evaluate in fifteen minutes. Oh, 15 more minutes or something." Then it said, "Okay, we're going to restart at four oh five in the afternoon." Four fifteen. So eventually, whatever it was. Though. Um, yeah, eventually, you know, had the uh, had the, had the restart, and but then the restart was just a whole bunch of safety mo- car, more safety car yeah. falling leaders. And uh, it was getting a bit ridiculous. They were over-cautious about it. And, you know, Hamilton was getting on the radio saying, this is ridiculous. I should be on inters right now. Why aren't we running? Just putzing along the uh, safety car. And, you know, it, it was a shame because it did end up pushing things super late. And uh, in some indirect ways probably caused more harm than good in terms of safety just by, you know, their desire to get the full race distance in and pushing the amount of light that was out and everything else. Yeah. So the official time, not to skip ahead too far, but to skip ahead too far, um, the official length of the race is two hours, 48 minutes, 20 seconds. Right. This is the longest race I can recall and uh, ended up being a bit ridiculous. So that, um, but I do do believe that counts the red flag bits of the race because they are allowed. Yeah, But you know, from, yeah, from flag to flag, but just with all the delays and with everything, um, ended up being, so, you know, they had to, on BBC, they had to switch coverage to BBC two on speed channel. They could run into it because they had, it was the middle of the night. Speed channel doesn't have anything good past three in the morning. Trust me. Uh, (laughs) Even the show, even the show that I work on, it's just, it's not good. Three in the afternoon. Not so great. A lot of the times, let's be honest. Uh, but, uh, so actually, yeah. So we had to we had to go through extraordinary measures to even get to the end of the show. You know, get to the end, watch the end of the race and all that. Um, but uh, yeah, but once so so starting at say lap twenty or so, um, it was actually a very very dramatic race um, with one of the earlier incidents being uh, the first yeah the first major incident. Mark Weber on his own 
Yeah. Um, had, so um, basically just running a little bit wide on the exit of a turn, um, getting off onto the sort of curb slash mud, because right off the track it looked like yeah. grass because they painted it green, but it's dirt and it's mud. Um, it was dirt until it started hugely downpouring and became, uh, became it just crazy mud. Yeah. Um, and with apparently mosquitoes and snakes and all that. Yeah, and so that happens. It's wet. People are sliding out. But then he made he made a rookie mistake. And you really he, called him out on this, Yeah, too. I, I did. And I understand that the conditions are extraordinary and the things that are going through his head. Not saying I wouldn't have done the same thing. However, um, any good racer knows that once you have uh, two wheels off on slippery stuff, you do not wrench the wheel back to get on track. You... You just go straight, you lose all that, and you get back on the track straight. The only exception to that maybe being if you have a Tyrell P34, in which case two wheels is only one corner of your car, you might still be able, because you've got, you know... That is a, that is a reasonable you've, exception you've to point out. You've got four other yes. wheels. But yeah. but yeah, but in a modern-day F1 car... In a modern-day F1 car, you might want to seriously consider staying straight. You don't put the lat on the car. And the reason is, is when you, when you turn back onto the track, you're loading up the tire that doesn't have any grip. Um, because it loads up, you know, when you turn one way, you're loading up the outside tire and the outside tire is the one on the gravel or the grass or whatever through the mud hitting snakes. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty, you know, that's a lesson you learn pretty early on. And, and Mark uh, wrenched the wheel back. Uh, lost the rear end and hit the wall, and then the worst part was he you know, skip bounced off the wall, went back across the track, and then Nico Rosberg was just was just plowing through there, had nowhere and had, to go, yeah, nothing he could do about and it. And Nico Rosberg was having a tremendous race, yeah, like excellent qualifying, started fifth, like we said, and was was right up there, obviously. I mean, with with Weber right near the front of the race, and uh, so I just, believe he was fourth at the time, yeah, just uh, really a, a, a sad end for for I mean, certainly a bit, huge deal for Weber. Uh, obviously, championship yeah, massive, implications, massive. all all the uh, all, you know how all that all worked out. Um, but you know, it's just, what a shame for Rosberg. It, it's a total shame for Rosberg after after all the nonsense of behind the safety car and in the and then he's exactly. like, all right, we're finally racing, and bam, he's and he's doing done. well, and he had nothing to do with it. it. Was not his fault at all. And to add insult to injury, they listed Rosberg in twenty fourth and Weber in twenty third, and I'm like, guys, come on, yeah, poor guy. Although that does help my prediction score by one. We'll talk, we'll talk <laughs> about that. that later. But, okay. So, all right. The, 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 obviously, the big news about it, though, is Mark Weber, the leader of the Drivers' Championship, his best by far opportunity in almost 10 years in the sport to get a Drivers' Championship, writes off his own car in the third to final race, loses his points lead. He's down to second place. And now has an uphill battle instead of a down. This was a huge, well, huge incident. As they ran at that point, um, so then that that would be, you know, uh, Vettel was in the lead of the race at that point. And as they ran at that point, it would have put Mark Weber in third. Um, and so, and then throughout the race, there were lots. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't even cover all of them if we wanted to. Every single uh, driver runs wide but rejoins track. I mean, oh boy, like every couple of corners, there you know some cars there were there were incidents with back markers. I mean, there were some you know pretty serious crashes with um, there was you know a Lotus and. and uh, uh, Virgin getting together. There were, um, you know, the Force Indias were all over the place today. Right. Uh, there was just, you know, lots of little incidents just because with, you know, the, the track had finally rubbered in at the end of qualifying. People were, you know, getting some data, but then it rained. Um, and it was actually the, the weather forecast, even up until, a, you know, Friday or I think even maybe Saturday, um, were like 20% chance of rain Sunday. Like uh-huh. maybe, but probably not. And then apparently it was like monsoon season and it all got crazy. Yeah. Um, so no one has any data. No one's got a wet setup. It was just not like everyone was just on, uh, you know, confusion mode on a brand new track <laughs> and, and yeah. with the surface. It was a it, so. steep learning curve. So to I mean, be sure. Schumacher going off, going wide. I mean, you know, even in the master of the rain, right? <laughs> well, not only he went off 
out of the pits. I mean, the first thing he did was go off on his installation lap. That was actually kind of funny. Yeah. I got a kick out of yep. that. But, uh, yeah, it was certainly a, a bad race, and it looked really bad for Weber, just like you said, because Vettel was poised to win the race and uh, collect a ton of points, and then Alonso would have been right behind. So his very own teammate would have been 11 points ahead of him. Uh, definitely uh, not a good place to be. However, um, if we can jump ahead just a little bit, neither Red Bull finished the race. Yes. So it, for the longest time after that, um, you know, everyone, there, there's some, some moving around back in the field. Uh, the Williams having some interesting races, you know, Sutil going wide, losing some positions and all that. But, uh, yeah, but Vettel out front with, with uh, Fernando going along behind him. And all of a sudden, uh, up the front straight, uh, the announcer said, hey, something, something doesn't sound right. And like two seconds later, we see this plume of smoke that's not water spray coming out of the back of Vettel's car. And his engine went in a spectacular fashion, bits flying everywhere, of sparks, course, flame, the whole thing. This was after Alonzo passed him and Hamilton passed him and then Kablooey. Yes. And the poor guy was toast and beached. And this was, this happened what? Two, maybe three le- three laps after Vettel got on the radio and said, it's way too dark out here. I can't see. It's unsafe in turn one. And uh, three laps later, kablooey. Yeah, that that was funny in itself. I mean, almost uh, to the point of, um, you know, I, I think actually Martin Breno, because we ended up watching the BBC coverage for the, the last half of the race or whatever, um, last third of it, um, said, you know, any time now, expect to hear a message between Vettel and his engineer to say it's really too dark. And like a minute later, yeah. Vettel's like, yeah. oh, guys, it's really dark out here. Because, of course, if you're leading the race, if, if the race ends right then, that's beautiful. You know, Yeah, once you get um, full points. And we don't know if he knew it, there was a problem with the car at that point. If there were, he probably would have forced that issue a bit more. Yeah. But, um, it's, know, it's yeah, I, it's so what was, very unlikely. What was, so Fernando Alonso was behind him at that point, and Hamilton, you know, farther back, just, just right behind Alonso. Yeah. Um, and so we didn't hear from Fernando saying, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's plenty bright, it's great. Um, but we did hear from uh, Hamilton, you know, a minute after that, um, having heard that on the radio and trying to uh, all play into, you know, affecting Charlie well, Whiting's decision it was, to it was, stop the race or not. It wasn't very heavily cloaked. I mean, uh, Hamilton's engineer got on the radio and said, Hamilton, describe the visibility conditions. Said, describe oh, them. And they're just, fine. Just, just drive Let's keep going. Totally good. No problems. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, then, of course, after Vettel's failure, uh, Fernando would have loved to get on the radio and say, oh, it's really dark out here. We want to stop the race right now. But, you know, luckily he didn't box himself into a corner by calling it too dark right. moments earlier. Right. But to that point, I mean, it, it didn't look it on TV because they can adjust the cameras and still, you know, the picture gets kind of grainier and sort of loses some color. But it still looks fairly light out. But when Open you start the seeing aperture, as the, it were. Uh, the, the video or the, uh, the interviews and uh, like, or the podium and stuff and, you know, seeing some, some interviews after the race, like it was pretty freaking dark. I mean, these, these weren't Singapore dark laps, but they were, um, you know, it was, it was definitely uh, probably one of the darker uh, conditions under which F1 cars have been running without lights on you know without without overhead lighting or whatever like singapore but whatever their eyes had adjusted it wasn't totally dark yet they were fine fair enough yeah they were fine come on give me a break i mean they get paid enough to deal with a little darkness i i think it was definitely the conditions were less than ideal but i'm glad they did go full race distance it would have been a shame to end it at lap 50 or something like that just because because it's already it, it you know the f1 cars they're so fast these days um and they're so impressive but the, the 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 ability for them to run narrows and narrows you know like the tolerances they can take and just keep continue to narrow every year so the suspensions are so stiff they're so low to the ground there's so many delicate parts on the bottom of the car um that you know 
They can't run when it's too heavy in rain. They can't run with the tracks very bumpy. They're they not can't... allowed to have jumps on the track anymore. Yeah, no I mean, jumps. Yeah. Not one. They can't run over the railroad tracks in Singapore. I mean, yeah, it's it's just... It's, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. Let's, I mean, at least one jump. Anyway, and, and they did have jumps at Singapore, to be fair. That was turn five. <laughs> yeah. Remember. But anyway, uh, so it's nice to kind of run them ragged a little bit, I think. But um, another guy that would have been just as happy if they quit the race sooner as opposed to later, I would say, was Jensen Button. Yeah, you were quite dissatisfied with oh, Button's performance today. So, so he, frustrated. Just, I mean, he took an early pit stop to go to intermediate tires when it was, I, I think, way early for inters. And it's, I guess, easy, right. easy for us to say, calling it on the couch and in hindsight and all that. It was easy for us to say, and that's one of the reasons why we said it. Yeah, but come on, Jensen. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we, we actually, we ended up listening to a post-race interview of Jensen. He was quite dejected. Um, and he said he changed to inters because he had to change tires. Um, but I, you know, but I he wonder was out if, of wet tires. Yeah, I wonder if full, I was he out of wet. Or? I think is what he said, or he run, was running out. But yeah, I was sort of like, well, that's that's what I got. To put I thought on. he said he was running out of tire, like that tire was wearing out, yeah. not that he was out of sets of tires. Yeah, but whatever. Either way, I I would I think he would have been better off on another full set of wets. So and but this was that this was just so frustrating as a as a button fan. It's like okay, what is Button known for? He's known for race strategy and. Tire management. So, those were his. Those are his like two aces, right? Where not necessarily raw on track pace, but being smart about it and making up positions and, and moving forward in that way. Yeah, be, and he's really good when uh, when races throw curveballs. He always seems to excel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is he's he's really he's a really good thinker when it comes to racing. And mostly, usually. mostly. It, well, until this race. I mean, this was this was the exact opposite for him. He did not have good race strategy. He did not have good tire tire management. He was the first one to wear out the full wets. He said he just had no grip when it was coming to actually just driving on track. I mean, even with the strategic calls as they were, um, just saying there was just no grip. And he was down in, uh, he was down in what, 16th, I think, for a while. And then with, with some, some other retirements and stuff, moved up to, what, 12th at the end? Yeah, yeah. It just But he himself said he was the slowest man on the racetrack. He, he was very upset. And... This is all happening while his teammate is fighting for the lead. So, you know, very frustrating. Uh, you know, the McLaren definitely had some disadvantages, but Sector 1 was all McLaren. Mm-hmm. And Lewis Hamilton was fighting for pole position and qualifying as well. And Jensen was struggling. He ended up with 7th, which is respectable, but it's not. He, no one expected him for pole. Yeah, and up until about five laps to go, Lewis Hamilton was, you know, right up on Alonso, and it looked like, you know, may have even been, had a couple of looks. I mean, it wasn't really close enough to pass, but, you know, it was, it was still pushing him. And then after that, I think both their tires started to wear off, and, and Hamilton, you know, backed off a bunch from Alonso. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was there was a couple laps in there where I was thinking Hamilton might make a move and uh, or at least even maybe force Alonso into a mistake and uh, and end up with a victory. But, uh, no, it was, it was I think, uh, Alonso was was just at the right place at the right time to, you know, when, when everything got weird for the Red Bulls and they had failures and problems and crashes and so yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, Alonso was, he was keeping Vettel honest the entire yeah, time, for and, sure. and he was just right there and then, you know, held off Hamilton when there was some pressure there and just, just drove a cool race and, and, and earned what he got today. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And now Alonso, after the season he's had, which is just incredible, is leading the world championship. Yeah. With <laughs> two races to go. Who knew, right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 pretty darn impressive. I mean, we certainly didn't call that. So, uh, and the funny thing that, you know, Jim and I were talking about, which kind of the woulda, shoulda, couldas, um, based on our math, Vettel has given up, well, Red Bull has given up 
hundred points in race wins for well, Vettel. With, with yeah, with Vettel's... between his three car failures and then the run in between him and Weber mm-hmm. in Turkey, was it? Yeah, in Turkey. <sighs> That's 100 points. Think about that. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think of, you know, if it, if it had gone this way, if it had gone that way. And what a lot of times ends up happening, I mean, Red Bull seems to have, and especially Vettel, I mean, failures from the lead, he's got to be leading that category. Oh, God, yeah. Um, seems to have, you know, but usually it kind, of, it kind of counteracts because it's like you think about, okay, Hamilton in China, 07, right? It was like, oh, what if, what if, you know, what if he hadn't right. gotten off in the right. gravel? And right, Could have been whatever. the first rookie but then you world think of champion. So many other things early in the season and with, you know, Massa and Raikkonen and everything, it's like, well, what if, what if this had happened and what right. if that failure? Right. So it sometimes kind of balances itself out. Um, but uh, in this case, yeah, I mean, Vettel... Just I, I mean, just got to look at the results and just man, you know what? What do you do at that point? It's, it sucks for Vettel. He was he was holding it down, yeah, uh, and uh, and just have a failure that was probably not his fault at all, right? Uh, but certainly a, a, a sad way to go out of a race like this after after all the work he'd put into it. And another big woulda coulda shoulda would be have to be Hamilton, Monza, Singapore. Yeah, those two Speaking zero of, points out of fifty. Yeah, um, you know both of those. Unlike Vettel's, both of those plainly his fault. Mm-hmm. Responsibility lays on him. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know he even collected twenty points in those two things, he would now be in the lead of the championship. Yep. So it, it, it of course everyone knows what it should have could have game, but now that we're getting close, especially with Vettel, it, it's worth just mentioning. You know. Briefly. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild to think about. Yeah, just how how differently that could have been, and how you know it almost could have been clenched at this point. But but who knows? You know, it's all it's all speculation. Um, one other note I wanted to talk about um, was Vitaly Petrov, um, who ended up having a sad end to his race by just getting it wrong on his own and just plowing the car into the wall. Really I've never hard. seen a more obviously bummed out driver in my life. He literally looked like a five year old who dropped his ice cream. Yeah. Just, you know, the, the he just, body, just getting out of the car, Aww. and then, and then the, the slow walk back, oh, and like just the whole painful. thing. Yeah, I mean, it was because you know, just such an obvious drive for your job with the Russian Grand Prix on the table, with you know, coming up in 2014, uh, with you know this this moving around with with Lotus and Renault and Red Bull, and, and that Renault seed's proving to be pretty darn good one yeah uh and and you know just he wants to prove himself wants to go out there and do well and to just end his race you know after after all that as well you know it's not like it's somebody plowed into it it's just on his own just just you know got it wrong and uh and plowed that car pretty hard into the wall uh that's you know that's that was a sad sad little russian man <laughs> absolutely now one thing, thing i want to mention is uh the happy happy old german man mr michael schumacher yeah, he was still driving at the end, which means he did well. And he didn't run into a bunch of people. Because and he, no, but he actually, he finished, I, I do believe it was fourth place. Um, I see, I'm looking at qualifying right now. Which, uh, of course, would have been um, would have been lower if Hamilton, I mean, with, if, if Weber were still in the race. Yeah, fourth and place Vettel for Schumacher. The race, 12 and if points. Rosberg were still in the race. Of course. He, he benefited from attrition just like many others. I mean, Lewis Hamilton... Uh, and Felipe Massa also benefited well, from everybody attrition. Did because Vettel is a Vettel And Weber. Yeah. And up. Weber. I mean, so uh, certainly Michael Schumacher benefited from that and more. But even still, I mean, he was on the lead lap, fourth place. I mean, you know, we got to credit where credit's due. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, wasn't wasn't too late. Wasn't past his bedtime. I mean, he was able to stay up for the whole race and, uh, but and still he, driving at we, the end. We can be rest assured that he fell asleep. He had his glass of insure and went right to bed afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, no race report, but that's that's kind of uh, the run-through as we see it and the, uh, the things well, we, we want to talk about. It's 11 o'clock at night in Detroit. I mean, it's 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 late for us. Yes, but let's uh, let's hear what some of the fans have to say. 
holy crap balls did we get a lot of comments which was fantastic um i want to jump right in to a comment from chris alsop who uh wrote to us last time and uh wanted us to give uh everyone a quick mention about marshalling so i'm just going to read the comment and let you guys take it from uh take it from there please give a mention on the next podcast to the marshals who work voluntarily at the circuits not just F1, but every kind of motorsport. In England, the following website gives details on how to become a marshal. It is http colon slash slash www dot m-a-r-s-h-a-l-s dot c-o dot u-k. And you fill in a form, pay 20 pounds, and you can stand only feet away from a single seater going over 100 miles an hour. A lot of the guys from England went to Abu Dhabi last year, and we and will be again this year Awesome. So, okay, there you go, Chris Ossop, our official shout-out for marshalling. Uh, we uh, apologize for not getting to it the last podcast. Um, but I think, I mean, in all honesty, that is a cool thing. That is definitely a different way to get involved in the sport. It would not be my cup of tea, personally. I would probably want to slip my wrists um, if I did that because I would be extra pained to be that close to the racing and not be in the racing. But um, not to mention, yeah, marshalling for lesser series. I mean, F one cars going by is one thing for for an hour and a half or two hours or even two hours and forty eight minutes. But you know, think about marshalling for Lamas events and and uh, and other you know just and even you know the local and regional stuff where the cars aren't nearly as exciting and the skill levels and so on. But uh, yeah, man, a shout out to to you know those of you who have uh, you know dedicated your time and uh, weekends to you know to make everyone you know help the rest of the racing go on and help everyone be safe and uh, keep everything going. Yeah, I know, and it's a different way to get involved. But okay, that we have to move on. Uh, we had over we had twenty five comments um, for the last race on okay, F one show. A couple of those were me, so that those don't really count as fan comments. But still, great discussion. That's, are are you not a fan of if, the show, Jim? Well, I guess I am. Okay, um, twenty five so, comments, like I was saying. Um, so much so that I, I quite literally cannot read them all, but I do want to give out honorable mentions uh, at the very least. So Michael Kornbrecha, Chris Alsop, yet again, uh, thank you very much. Henry Lake had a few comments for us. Ken Frischnicht, did I totally bogged that. We did it right, and then I backfired on us. Yeah. Uh, Frischnicht. Frischnicht. Yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, Rance on F1, Jim Back said it right, I think. Uh, Neil Popham, uh uh, Jim Lau, yeah, La, I don't know who that guy is. Uh, Patrick Kluman, Tony Drake, uh, Julie McKenzie, uh, Nerdling, which is one of the cooler names. And uh, one quick one, uh, we got another comment from Peter. Uh, Peter had some less than happy words for us after the last podcast, but he wrote again to say, "Hello, I appreciated your last podcast greatly. I say it's time I put last co- podcast issue behind us. As to predictions for Korea." I have no idea, although I will predict contact. Anybody could hit anybody, although Jensen is slightly less likely. So, Peter, actually, that turned out to be pretty darn good predictions, although uh, a touch, you know, it's like I predict it'll get dark sometime and then light again sometime after that. Um, But, no, there was a lot of contact. It was a race of attrition. And Jensen Button did many things wrong, but he did not hit a bunch of people. In fact, actually, that was one thing where we do have to give Button credit. He worked pretty hard to – he was one of the few people that didn't get hit by Sutil because he, he did a really good job to avoid him. Yeah, the, uh, but the extra mile to uh, get out of the way, there was some, some trickiness. So anyway, Peter, we completely agree with you. Uh, the last podcast, the issue from it is behind us. We've got nothing but goodness heading forward, and that's all we're going to say about that. 
we have also some comments from uh, Twitter, people that uh, send little messages at us and uh, and mention us and so on. So uh, Tim Meekins, haven't talked to you in a while, but uh, good. Uh, you've been responding to uh, some of our posts from Japan and so on. Um, Calvin Broadbank, X or and or X. People have the craziest Twitter names, eh? That's because they're, um, they're kids, Jim. Yeah. Um, and Cam McGrath, uh, as ever. Giving, oh, he's back! Giving us the, the pseudo-live. Oh, as ever. So he never left. No, no, he was. Uh, he didn't do a, a live live tweet at us for last race. But, okay, uh, so but he's he back. Okay. Um, so and one of his uh, a choice uh, tweet here when he's uh, so so he's watching. You know, Weber's out of the race. He's got it. He's Australian, and uh, and then he's like, uh, you know, oh yeah, hoping hoping desperately for that to be less than seventy five percent race distance so that Weber can preserve a slim championship lead. Uh, and then a couple minutes later, uh, call me a one-eyed Aussie Mark Weber supporter, but I'm absolutely devastated that we've reached 75% race distance. So, man, Cam, what a one-eyed Aussie Mark Weber supporter that guy is. But, um, yeah, we did run the full race. Mark Weber did lose all points to, not to Vettel, of course, but, uh, you know, to Alonso, and we all know how that turned out. But Although uh, I think, I do genuinely think he'd rather be behind Alonso than Vettel. Uh, that is my guess. I, yeah, I think that for a race as ruined as it was for Mark Webber, I think Vettel retiring is about the best thing that could have happened. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and on to Facebook now, where 781 people like us. I mean, this blows away my high school yearbook. Absolutely. <laughs> this blows away the rest of my whole life. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so uh, Rafa Lau, or Lowe, it's Rafa L-O, says, Congratulations once again to the best driver ever! Alonso wins also in, oh, Korea with a C. I was like, Croatia? Uh, and it seems that the third championship is out there. Weber also deserves to win the last two races. We'll decide. Vettel is too young and expert compared with Alonso and Weber. So I'm assuming that Raffalo wanted to say too young and inexperienced. Um, also, uh, shout out to Colin Sato. I believe this is a first-time commenter, at least first time I've seen Ooh, it. FTC. Yeah. <laughs> this race took l- too long to start, but once it did, the racing was great. I wonder why the Varsha et al. were slightly slagging on Nui for the Vettel blow-up um, by commenting, commenting on Red Bull reliability. It's not as if Nui built the motor. Alonso is so cool under fire, it's no wonder he's won so many races and on and on. Um, we actually, by that point, we didn't get, uh, speed coverage. We were to the BBC at that point because, you know, Jim and I TiVo these things and watch them tape delayed and our TiVo's had since said they're, they're done. Yeah. I put an extra half hour on the end of the recording, but not an extra like three hours. Yeah. In case and so of, did I, but yeah. In case of Korea. Oh, so it is interesting. The only thing I will say in defense of Varsha at all is that, you know, while, you know, the Red Bull didn't build the engines, uh, you know, they are the ones that are in charge of cooling the engines and also the packaging around the engine itself. So the heat of the engine is, is, is Nui has quite a bit to do with. And if they're pushing those tolerances, it, they could share some of the blame. Yeah, it's one of those classic trade-offs. Just like, you know, uh, brake cooling ducts is a, is a very uh, typical one as well. It's just they, you know, the brake engineers want the brakes to be the right temperature. And they just want to make the, the inlets, you know, as big as they want or small, you know, just, yeah, just nice the right and big, size. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, and then the aerodynamicists we just want nothing on the car. They would they would right. love if the car just magically propelled itself and didn't have any kind of drag <laughs> whatsoever or any kind of cooling or anything. Um, and so it's always that compromise in between to uh, to make everything work. And I think Adrian Newey, uh, because of uh, his success, I mean, and, and, and he obviously is a brilliant man and, and his clout with the team, he's a really great aerodynamicist. And uh, his you know Red Bull has definitely been one of the most aero focused teams, and obviously that's given them great results uh, mm-hmm. with where they are in the constructor championship. Um, but that may have gone, you know, trusted, uh, 
the aerodynamics and, and prioritize the aerodynamics a bit too high above cooling or reliability or something. Um, or it could have been that, you know, whatever, some other just engine, engine failure had nothing to do with it. But there is a chance that uh, the aerodynamics did play a role in, uh, in that failure. And to that, uh, to that point, I've got one more comment from Chris Kelada. A question for the show. I think that's us. Ooh, that's us. What is the situation with Vettel and his engines? Does he drop 10 places in the next race since he has used his allocation? If it's the case, I think it's going to be very difficult for him to win the championship. We'll be listening eagerly for the answer. P.S. Postscript, Jim. Love the show. It's by far the most entertaining coverage I have come across. Keep up the good work, and it has a smiley face emoticon. Yeah, you know, aw. Isn't that nice? Who says emoticon in 2010? Really? Emoticon? Adults. Adults, oh, great. Too, Jim. Great. Anyway, so to answer your question, and uh, you got, uh, of course, we've got fantastic feedback from the other people on Facebook. Thank you to Peter Oliver, James Payne, and Colin Sato. Um, but they are right. He does not get the 10 grid spot penalty until he then puts in a ninth different engine. So he can use any of the original eight engines, well, the few that are, haven't blown up. He can use any of those used engines again and again as long as he wants and not receive a penalty. It's when that ninth engine gets bolted into the car for qualifying or the race that he's in trouble. Yeah, and we'll, I'm sure we'll see coverage of that over the uh, over the weekend in uh, in Brazil um, or Abu Dhabi. Which one? Brazil. Could, yes, that's right. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see if they actually decide to use that engine because they could use an older engine um, that you know has a couple or has a couple races on it. But they, you know, they'll look at the engines and figure out the wear and figure out the mileage and all that and, and determine um, if it's worth taking the ten grid spot penalty, which I really, really doubt it would be. Yeah, if it they have hard. an engine that they think will probably make it, they could tweak back the revs a little bit and uh, try to make it work. Uh, I think that's definitely what they're going to do. So uh, it's definitely something to, to, to look at. I mean, we're going to have to see how that plays yeah. out for the rest of the season, but I don't um, think it's not necessarily that they'll have to take a penalty. Right, and I don't think Brazil is one of the hardest uh, races on engines. It, you know, it's it's got a fair bit of twisty bits. I think it's it's probably middle of the pack in terms and of... And I hard... think Abu Dhabi kind of the same, too. But the unfortunate thing is, is that if you wanted a race that was easy on an engine, this was it. 20 of the laps were under a yellow... It was cold. It was wet. So this would be one of the easiest conditions for one of those engines. Plus, because of the conditions, they simply couldn't be on the throttle as much. Yeah. So and this should have been really easy on the engine. Think about it. Weber's engine only has about eight seconds of full throttle on it uh, from this <laughs> no re- race weekend. So, so Weber's actually doing okay for engines Yeah, now. no kidding. And, and Weber's – this is Weber's eighth and final that he put in for this race weekend. Yeah, so that actually helps him in, you know, another, I guess, of, of, a, of a crappy weekend uh, to come out of it that way. I guess maybe that can – Polish that uh, So a couple more, couple more quick things. Um, uh, in general, a lot of huge support for uh, Mr. Weber on our Facebook page, which is understandable. He's a very likable guy. And, uh, you know, again, this is many believe – this is by far his best chance. And uh, many believe that this could well be his last chance. Um, you know, it depends on the competitiveness of Red Bull next year and also Vettel's form. It also depends on, you know, how Ferrari holds up next year. And then again, like guys like uh, Mercedes, because they've been working on their 11 car for a while now. Anyway, um, the other thing that came up um, that Jim and I actually haven't discussed yet, we're going to discuss it live on the television show right now is... We're on a television show now? Uh, <laughs> close enough. Close enough. Podcast, Yeah, whatever. just close your eyes. Um, Sean Scanlon um, really wants to put together some sort of... Uh, kind of like F10 fantasy league type of thing where he's like, oh, we can, you know, kind of race each other um, in F1 2010. This might have been somewhat sparked by you giving out your 
gamer tag. Yeah, oh, and a couple people friended me on Xbox Live, so thanks to those guys. I haven't uh, been online at the same time. I've sort of narrowly missed a couple of you where I, I, I go on Xbox and it says, oh, this guy was online playing F1 2010 like six minutes ago and you right, missed him. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, if uh, if any of you out there have F1 2010 for Xbox 360, you can look me up. My gamer tag is sketchy at best. All spelled out. Which is absolutely true. Which is cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't, we'll have to look at this for the offseason. Yeah, so this, can, is what, uh, this is what I'm thinking, Sean. Um, I, I, at the moment, I don't have any uh, uh, format, any console that will play F1 2010, but I plan on getting one soon because I still have my super sweet home-built racing chair that I need to use again. And I finally have a place where my fiancé doesn't have to look at it and get mad at me. So um, I really want to get involved. So what I'm thinking is, you know, we've talked a bit back and forth about having an F1 Fantasy League. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking, screw it. Let's have an F1 video game Fantasy League and kind of, instead of like, oh, I pick, you know, this engine and this driver and this car and this team principal or whatever. It's like, let's race each other virtually and have an, S- an F1 show Fantasy League that way. Or do both. Or do both. So anyway, that's that's something that uh, Jim is not even looking at me right now. What do you think? Yeah, well, um, I think it's something. Well, not immediately, but I think that'd be great. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm starting to get some results. I'm still uh, in my career mode. I'm still in HRT. Although I got to say, I was leading a race for a while in um, Malaysia. Um, had a good, had a, had a good race there, but uh, ended up I think fifth because I made some pretty serious errors uh, and and went back. So I'm not that good yet. Did you Yamamoto your Senna? Did you you almost chandocked it, but then you had a Yamamoto. Well, <laughs> and then you you were trying to Christian clean it, but then you got scented. Yeah, I get and then I got a sideways Yamamoto, which is not where you want to be. Um, <laughs> that a sideways Yamamoto does sound doesn't that kind of sound like a, like a dirty Sanchez? <laughs> oh boy! Um, but so I'm not very good yet. But once, especially hopefully in the off season, I'll uh, have have a, a minute and a half to play some more F1 2010, and uh, and and yeah, you know, have some do some hot laps and all that. So if you have a PlayStation and I have an Xbox, we can't play against each other in the same race, but maybe we can set, set lap times and, and that, that's what keep I'm thinking. Track of, that's uh, what I'm thinking. We can kind of have like a like a lap time counter and like a difficulty level because I don't know the ins and outs of the game yet. But it sounds like you kind of have to work your you way can, up. You can do a time trial though. You could pick any car on any track just to do a time trial. So we could say, all right, everyone pick. Let's do. You know, yeah, the official F1 show can be this car, this driver, this track. Yeah. You know, rank yourself. Well, yeah, yeah. McLaren in Monaco and a McLaren or something, and just say, okay, let's let's what's, what's everyone's lap time in this car at this track? I would uh, say I would say a Ferrari at Monza. Ooh, I like where you're going with that. So anyway, <laughs> but um, so that it's something in the works because I think it'd be fun. It's a cool way to be interactive. I think. Yes. Thank you, Sean. Trivia, 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 trivia. Alrighty, boys and girls, it is trivia time as always, and uh, we had a stonking good question last week. Oh, it stonk! Uh, it <laughs> it definitely stonk. So luckily, we were a bit more prepared this week, so no more uh, no no more of this nonsense. But Robin, let's uh, let's let's tell the fans what uh, what was last week's trivia question, and and what's the, what was the accepted answer? <laughs> the accepted I'm answer. Throwing you under the bus for this one. This the accepted answer was. What was the question? No answer oh. first. Oh, Mark. Ethine Weber, B-I-T-C-H-E-S's, was the answer. That was the official. I don't think anyone got that completely right either. Yeah, some people were close. Some people had Mark or they had Weber or they had Mark Weber, but then Mark effing Weber bitches. Yeah, exactly. You got to say it like that. And the question is, Jeopardy style, who is the dreamiest McDreamboat in all the land? Wow. Mark effing Weber. 
yeah, okay, we phoned it in. We admit that. But we are making up for it with what I think genuinely is a really good question. Tell me if I'm wrong. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong about this. The question is, and I came up with this, my idea. Just all on my own. Just do the question. If Fernando Alonso goes on to win the driver's championship with Ferrari, he will have done it in his inaugural season with the team. Very impressive. The question is, would he be the first Ferrari driver to do so? Ooh. I, I can't answer that. No, you can't. But you can, listeners. So uh, visit F1Show.com and write us a comment or put it on the Facebook page or maybe save it so that other people don't just immediately see the answer on the Facebook page or whatever. Yes. Has uh, any Ferrari driver won the driver's championship in their first year with the team? That's the question. There you go. Uh, or tweet at us or whatever other ways you want to uh, get in touch with us. We always appreciate that. And uh, you can answer I think the question. actually people still can email, right? Do we get those ever anymore? No. Uh, email, <laughs> email is for old people. Um, but <laughs> if you, like Robin, uh, like email, um, then you can email us to feedback at F1show.com. But I like the comments and stuff. It's a little more social. Other people can see what we're reading. The comments have been great. And the, and the email address is there if you really want to. And then from the F1show.com, you can go to the Twitter feed. You can go to the Facebook page. Um, you, you can know, do it all. It's we great. Got, it's we got Google shopping. ads there that's F1-related. You could go to those and you know comment on us somehow if you want. We can get like a quarter of a cent. It'll be great. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about predictions, oh, Jim. Oh, yes. Let's do that. Oh, I have, I, have, I have the Excel spreadsheet all queued up right here. Dude. So let's, let's just keep in mind, we predicted a long time ago. I don't even recall quite what my predictions were. So if you oh, just, I recall. Okay. You've got some recollection going on here. Well, let's, let's take a journey backwards. First of all, the statistical model. We have one of these. It, very stupidly, By I might virtue add, of using Excel, we have. A, yeah, whatever says that whoever was on pole position last race is going to be on pole position again in this race. Yes. And whoever won last race is going to go ahead and win this race. Mm -hmm. So the stat model said, oh, well, Sebastian Vettel was on pole last race. And Sebastian Vettel won the last race. That's going to to be what happens again. Wrong. Very wrong. Very, very wrong. Just shows you how stupid it was. It was actually quite accurate about qualifying, mm-hmm. uh, remarkably so. But the race, not so much. Sebastian Vettel, with his blown engine, sputtering to a stop on the middle of the straightaway, finished 17th, which is quite unfortunate. And By the way, Heki Kovalainen puts out his own fires. Vettel, not so much. Not so much. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope. Mm-hmm. A bit of a shame. Yeah. Um, and then uh, our fan predictions. Uh, that might be a good place to start. Uh, next. Ken Frischnicht. Freshnecked. Freshnecked. No, wow. No, I had it right once, like a couple months ago, and I've screwed it up ever since. I don't think you ever had it right. He predicted uh, Mark Webber to win the race. Ooh. Mark Webber to be on pole. Ooh. Mark Webber to have the fastest lap. Ooh. Mark Webber to win the cooking contest. Yep. Mark Webber was going to be, I, I think, the winner of American Idol mm-hmm. via Korea. He's number one Canberra milk kid. Correct. <laughs> that was definitely one I of I think them. he actually did win that one. Yeah. Um, however, not quite. So much. Uh, he did on, on the winning and the racing. That right. That the pole is close. The other there. thing, cooking competition. His there was um, his uh, what is that? His Vegemite sandwich was you know unbelievable. Oh yeah. Um, but he was second in qualifying, second to his teammate Sebastian Vettel, and finished twenty third in the race due to his well, Robin there, certified rookie mistake. There was the, there was the crashing. 
<laughs> there was the crashing. So sadly, uh, the stat model had 16 points, and uh, the fan had 23 points. Not great. Um, let's Jim. look at my predictions. Let's, let's look right. at Jim's predictions. Let's go there next. Um, when you thought Lewis Hamilton was going to be on pole position, mm-hmm. what, what were you thinking? I was thinking um, how strong – well, I was uh, very – observantly looking forward into the future to Friday <laughs> practice results to Q1 times. I was thinking, man, these McLarens are looking really fast. That's interesting but because we don't we That don't was the predict. limit of my psychic, of my psychic power, though. Oh, so if you only you had one I more had day. I sort of recall, forgotten about the, the magic that Red Bull always comes up with in Q3. Yes. Um, well, Hamilton ended up calling him fourth. Now let me ask you one more not, question. Okay, fair enough. Just one more question. So, so three if, points because fourth can, and away from first. Correct. That's three points. Um, you had Mark Webber winning the race, Which sir. Which would have been reasonable. Would have been if he didn't finish 23rd, oh. my friend. 25 points and you this is, tally this time. Okay. That's not great. That's not great. So really, just a sad performance by the statistical yeah, model, well, the fans, and you, Jim. Whatever. What did you predict? Well, that's an interesting thing you say. It's just like you said, we predict well into the well into the future. You know, we don't know anything, so it takes... Wow, you're really milking this It one. takes vast, superior... <laughs> Points of knowledge and insights, and I would argue clairvoyance to really get this. Not I mean, to mention great abs. <laughs> so, despite all that, I went ahead and predicted Sebastian Vettel to be on pole position. And and who was okay? So you got okay, whatever. If you Vettel, remind me, who was on pole Vettel, position? That's a safe bet. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. And then who did I predict to win the late race? I don't know, some loser. Fernando Alonso. Oh. I nailed it. I nailed it. Woo! You owe me. 23 no 25 cokes oh, so like a that 24 is a case pack and, and a another coke. one that is ridiculous i'll tell you what i will take a case of coke and an ice cream bar i'll go raikkonen style on oh, this one. nice anyway okay that was vastly hugely drawn out and i apologize but i'm sorry it was worth it for me the totals are now Fans, you have 202 points really slacking here you guys got to pick it up that is a bit unfortunate Second to last, Jim, that's you with 160 points. That's a lot of points, sir. Whatever, dude. That's almost 10 points a race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've won this event six times now. Uh, the statistical model is at 114 points, vastly superior to you, and that is a bit of a shame. However, I am now at 111 points. I have beaten the statistical model. I'm in the lead once again. I'm very happy about that. I've won this prediction 10 times against your six looking Pretty sweet for me. Ha ha. How much longer do you want to milk this? No more gloating. All right, I'm done. It felt good, though. Okay. We are moving on. Congratulations. (laughs) You've earned lots of Cokes. Life will be amazing for you in the next few weeks. And fattening and type 2 diabetic. Of course, Um, we don't actually buy each other these Cokes usually. No, I know. We're going to have to tell it up. Which means I get down 49 Cokes. I'm going to owe you lots of carbonated beverages. You know what? Maybe. I could trade that all for a Mountain Dew, I think, for you. And I'm pretty happy. (laughs) You know what we can do is um, we can make up for all of that in the offseason with some F1 2010. We could do that. But we could catch up on 49 Cokes pretty fast, I think. I think so. Anyway. Brazil. Yes. We once again have to boldly predict where no one else predicts. Yeah. That's you. Mark Weber. Really? Yeah. For? Brazil. Okay. <laughs> Pole? Yes. Race win? Yes. Wow. Wow, you're really pulling for the Aussie, I aren't am. you? I am. I just, I, I, <laughs> I want the... You know what I wrote here? I wrote winner. I wrote winner instead of Weber. Oh, I, yeah, I predict the winner. That's... <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to, to come in first. Okay. Well, that didn't take time uh, at all. Yeah. No, it didn't. 
Okay. All right. So, all right, Mr. Clairvoyant, brilliant, magic, amazing Hold man. on. Are you willing Hold to like, on, double me. or nothing on your cokes here oh, and uh, no, 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 continue no. on to your success? Just... All right, I'm sorry. You think of Ferrari resurgence here? What do you think? Well, I mean, Ferrari's looking quite good. Unfortunately, I don't remember too much detail about um, too much deal about Brazil in you know terms who's of the good aspects in of the Kamui Kobayashi. Kamui Kobayashi, and I, I've Juan Montoya is also really good at Brazil. You know who is good at Brazil? Massa. Ooh, Massa's good at Brazil. You know who else is in Massa's team? Fernando Alonso. That's very and true. He, and if he's in front of Massa. Or if Massa's in front of Alonso, he's not for very long. Right, that's very true. He'll However, have a slow puncture. He might have a slow puncture. Something or miss a gear. Yeah. Or two. Those upshifts are hard. And then find it again. Yeah. Um I I yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time because I don't think it'll be the McLaren's. The McLaren's, I think, got l- lucky in the sense that sector one was all straight away and they, they got to really rock it away from everybody. <laughs> So I'm going to rule them out, but then it's going to be tough between Red Bull and Ferrari. Ferrari's looking awfully strong, and I think Alonso, of the three uh, guys that are really, really in this, because you know Hamilton's going to have a hard time at this point. Yeah, um, Hamilton doesn't have stuff anymore. Uh, I, I I think Alonso's got the toughest head, but I'm you know he's not going to get pole though. I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm putting Felipe Massa on pole. Oh, I I'm I have not predicted Massa for anything in a long time. So the question is, do I have to put my money where my mouth is and say Alonso to win the race again? I'm not sure because he says podiums, and I kind of I'm kind of with that. Vettel, Sebastian Vettel to win the race. Already, so you think you think Massa Vettel? Well, I mean, based on if we were to go by last race results, I know Massa Vettel. So it's been decided then. I'll call Bernie now. By the way, that reminds me. Do you remember the, the picture of Bernie Ecclestone? Yeah. What with the five awesome. remaining so, drivers. So when the race is all delayed, <laughs> they've got to like fill the time with this like B-roll footage that they shoot. So there was this very, very awkward picture with, was that all the guys alive in the championship at the time, right? Did he or did he not look like Sebastian Vettel's grandmother? <laughs> Sure he, he just did. did. Oh, sweetie. So it's like Bernie you and your friends come around with, with the, the top picture. five drivers. And oh, it, was it was ridiculous. So, he had that he, front, you know, grandma fat thing. At the front, the hip fat. And then he was sitting, it was like, blah. It was like a Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> like a foot and a half shorter than everyone else. Oh, yeah, it, it, was, yeah. it was weird. And the glasses, and everything. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was, it... all right, we got to be careful here, Jim. We've gone down this road before. It was interesting. Alrighty. And on that note, <laughs> I'm Robin Warner. Yeah, well, well, we'll have coverage from Brazil. Uh, we will probably do some live tweeting and all that because it's in a reasonable time zone finally yes, for us in the yes. U.S. Only have only one time zone away from us here in Detroit. And I am so, so excited. Oh, Brazilian food. Oh, oh my this God. This is going to be huge. Oh, so good. And I think we're going to have like – we're going to actually have like a posse with us for because the, the restaurant's so good. Not because of us, but because the food's good. Yeah. So that, that that's a big one for Taste of the Race. Oh, Thinking about it now. Yeah. All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, keep up with us at F1Show.com and Twitter and Facebook and everything else. And thank you for listening. I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. Enjoy yourselves. The F1 Show is hosted by Jim Lau and Robin Warner. Many thanks to our editor, Jim Lau. We couldn't do trivia without our fact finder, Robin Warner. A tip of our hat to producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau, as well as our executive producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau. Of course, a thousand thank yous to our excellent catering service, Restaurants. 
And finally, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to Bio Bonsai for use of their song Inspector B from the Big Band album for our outro and intro music. The F1 Show is brought to you by two Americans who love the sport of F1, Jim Lau and Robin Warner. <laughs>